Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Move! And bigger than ever, it's the unofficial 40 from Soonerscoop.com. Now, here's the entire Soonerscoop crew, Carrie, Josh, Eddie, and Bob. And George. Welcome back. It is the unofficial 40 podcast right here at uh, Soonerscoop.com studios. From Campus Corner, the uh, entire crew will join or is here uh, we'll start the day out with Mr. Basketball, uh, Bob Prisbillo. But Eddie is here, Josh is here, uh, Bob, uh, George will be by shortly. As uh, We've got uh, all kinds of stuff going on today. We have uh, our second edition of the uh, Family Business uh, Podcast slash show on YouTube coming up tonight. Dee Dee Westbrook will be the special guest in studio uh, to talk with uh, Isaac and Joe Jr. Uh, so appreciate everybody checking that out. By the way, Go look us up on uh, Twitter if you're not our ex, uh, Sooner Scoop at Sooner Scoop. Uh, we just got uh, we got our on three badge today, so we're all kinds of powerful. We can do all kinds of things now that we couldn't do before. Uh, but if you want to get the latest news from us, like anytime we post a YouTube video, uh, subscribe to us on Twitter at slash X, uh, and we put everything up there for you guys as soon as we post a story. Uh, on uh, Soonerscoop.com, you, we will post it to uh, Twitter so you know when all our content is coming out. All right, boys, uh, welcome to the show. Last night was uh, supposed to be a jumping-off point to a yep. uh, celebration of a season that was going in the right direction and Porter Moser, celebration of a program that was going in the right direction. Uh, you had uh, Rodney Terry, is that his name? Yep. The uh, coach for Texas coming in after his meltdown against UCF and the horns down. Uh, the crowd was ready to give it to him. There were lots of horns down uh, signs in the stands that people were flashing. And uh, it just fell completely flat. Not it didn't fall flat. It fell on its face off of the back of a motorcycle and got a lot of road rash. Yeah, the final 11 minutes be rough watch for anybody. It's 55-54 Texas with exactly 11 minutes to go. And OU goes on to score six points. Rest of the game, losing 75-60 to 60 and basically negating all the goodwill you had built by winning at Cincinnati. So now we're back to even in terms of holding serve at home and stealing some on the road. So that's where where we stand. Just, to, you know, this was a crowd ready to go nuts. Jalen Moore woke him up a couple times in the uh, first half, but going down the stretch, Max A. Smith, Dylan DeSue, they just absolutely deflated the crowd, and I think – they deflated the players a little bit, too, with some of those shots they hit late in the shot clock, and they just simply had no answer going down the stretch. And the Sooners needed Godwin. They needed Hughley to play well uh, and play tough and, and get rebounds and fight for things. 
And I think that was probably the disappointing thing is you just felt like as much as the crowd was ready to explode, as much work as they put into, I mean, they had $5 beer, beers for an hour leading up to the game, trying to get crowds in there. Porters, you know, mentioned after the game, you know, he, he apologized. He put so much work into getting the stands full. There were three in-state sporting events last night, the Thunder, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma, and that place was still full and rocking. Uh, but, you know, to not be able to feed off that crowd – uh, I think that's probably the most disappointing part of it. It is. It feels a lot like last year with Bedlam. You just beat number two Bama. Now Bedlam is free because they were they're afraid of the weather that didn't hit. And it's standing room only. And you laid an egg on that night. And it had a lot of the same vibe. Now, at least they actually got their stuff together. I mean, for the first 30 minutes, it's a back and forth battle. Both teams absorbing yep. blows, responding to each other. But... For whatever reason, and Porter used a couple words that I agreed with 100%. When it came to Texas, it was urgency. They looked like they knew they needed it. And when it came to OU, when you're playing at home, they look tired. They look like they had nothing left in the gas tank. I don't know if it's chasing Max the entire night or what What happened I mean, they there. They got their ass beat. But I they mean, physically, they got tired. their ass beat last night. Incredibly disappointing. They, I mean... They were beaten to every loose ball. Yeah, they, yep. they, they were beaten yeah. on the boards. And Forty to twenty-four. Yeah, sometimes the, that's yeah. going to happen to a certain extent. But I just the way that that went down and what you had kind of on stake or at stake, uh, just in terms of momentum and everything that we had talked about, Bob, on the you know the YouTube show last week of being able to capitalize on the goodwill that you uh, you know earned. You earned that victory at Cincinnati. Uh, it's just uh, it was it was kind of surprising in a way. I think that was the first time this season that you walked away from an Oklahoma game and you really felt like that wasn't exactly what you are. Yeah, and, and the only good thing is because Texas Tech doesn't play. They are 15-3. and three. They'll be ranked number 20 going in Saturday afternoon. If you get that, what I said last, win three of the next four. I think we all thought the loss was going to be at Cincinnati, but you win three of the next four, you're still four and three. You're putting yourself in a really nice spot. It's just a little bit deflating just because of all the toughness they showed in Cincinnati on Saturday was nowhere to be found in a game where you thought it would be found the most considering OU hasn't beaten Texas and Norman in five seasons now and Porter hasn't beaten Texas, period. The, and Eddie, you, you, the rivals thing is just incredible yeah. to me that he's now one in nine. And I was talking to my dad about it last night on the way home and it's just, it's it's crazy. And I, I feel like Ryan and I talked about this this morning. The way that they've gotten beat in a bunch of those games is just getting out-hustled, yep. getting manhandled physically. Uh, that, you know, you can make up for, you know, what they lack in talent or whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's just but it's a lack of intensity yeah, in, yeah, sure. the games that sure. the in the games right. that matter the yeah. most. It's yeah. crazy. Well, like you said, you know, you hate it for the, for the program because... There's a lot of people that are casuals out there that don't really pay attention to what's Josh. going on. Uh, Josh, I think we all wanted to punch Josh in the face last night for, like, you know, Josh. Sometimes your commentary is just not needed. I exactly. I, Go I, back. I know I should take my own advice a lot on that, but last night was not a time for you to be dickhead. You know, I don't like OU basketball. It was it's, just it was a hurt. It was it's a not that serious. Moment. Like you would tell me. <laughs> it, it, it's not that real. Like it, it's okay. I would never tell you. It's not, um, you're the king of it's not that serious. Everything rolls off. I, your I back. 100% am because it's not that serious. It, it's just basketball. It's okay. 
And it's just football. Like, I, I, I'm not differentiating. That's not a basketball football thing. I just, guys, I you're don't not, know. You're, like, you're, I, in, you're, I, in your, you're in your ivory tower in Houston. We're the <laughs> ones that have to sit here and listen to the casuals be like, see, I told you this team wasn't any good. It or, reminds me of the Aggie Garrido. I, I don't think that you are a part of this, Josh, but I'm sitting here. It's like, this is my life. <laughs> I have to live with this shit. I get the big thing. It was on ESPN. Like all these games have been on ESPN Plus. Sure. So you've had this fraction of well, the, of, of the and audience. the North Carolina game was on national exactly. Television. And so every time that people have tuned in, they exactly. shit down their leg. I, they're not at. I don't wake up thinking that this team sucks. It's far from that. This is a top twenty-five, top thirty team. And by the way, a like, tournament team. People need to remember where this is coming from. At the beginning of the season, if you would have said that they were going to be fifteen and four, three and three <laughs> in conference play through the first six games, I think that every person would have signed up for that. Now, that's not making an excuse for the way that they played. And more simply, outside of like all of the uh, the hustle statistics. You're not going to beat very many teams if you start four for night or you, if you shoot on the night four for 19 and you get out rebounded by 16. It's just not going to happen. Yeah, they just didn't have someone that could bring the team up with them. You know, Jalen Moore tried, obviously, with a couple of those dunks there in the first half. But let me let me throw this out there. Like one of the biggest problems on this team appears to be not only not understanding the moment of the gravity or the intensity that's needed, uh, but you look at individuals and JV and McCollum does not seem to embrace the moment, especially in second halves. Like, when you're needed most... I mean, he was great in the second half in Cincinnati. Yeah. yeah. This was the first game where... But, I mean, at home, in this environment, this like, is the first more game often than not, he's, away. He's, he's not been there when, when you... If he's you, led the team look, scoring in four of the five games. I know, but, like, if you're looking at this team and you're saying, uh, who's candidate for, for all Big 12 player of the year, there's not really one on this OU team. Well, I don't think that they have one. I mean... None of them. That's what be. I'm saying. Yeah, but that, but that's again. It, it kind of goes back to the idea of like it's moving the goalposts. Like this team was the goal was to get to the NCAA tournament, and I still think that they're well positioned to do that. This was the first time where Javion in the final minutes didn't try to beat a guy. This is the first. Like it's not that he got stuck at nine points; is that he never took a shot in the final minutes to try to you know get this team going again, which is something he's done time and time again. I don't know if he was physically tired. I don't know if te if Texas was just beating him up and he, he wasn't ready for it. But this this was the first game where he took a step back and looked more like, oh, man, this leap is, a, is actually a lot tougher than what I first thought. And that's why it's going to be imperative to watch what he does Saturday. And you, you can shit on OU all you want, and they deserve it the way that they played last night. I thought Texas was really good. Yeah. I thought Max Aismas was really good. Dylan DeSue was really good. I thought the Weaver kid that came in off the bench for them. Oh, he was huge. He was incredible he in was what so he was quick. able to do. So quick. The energy finish. that he provided exactly. to that team is something that reversely Oklahoma needs on Saturday against Texas Tech because you certainly don't want to lose. And then all of a sudden you're looking at two games on the road next week. And all of a sudden this is a four game losing streak like that would now we would have we'll have a much different conversation <laughs> in two weeks if that were to happen. I don't think it will. I think that they bounce back and play pretty well on Saturday, but it just, I don't know. It was a, it was a rough go last night. And even at the point when, even at halftime, really, you had had that spurt from Jalen Moore. The energy felt good in the crowd. You got it to six 
And each time that you got it, to, I think they got it to six twice they at got the it end to of the six. first half. It was 28-22, and Aismith and Sue both hit threes. Big shots. 28-28. Big shots. And, like, you know, ooh. again, that happens in college basketball. They've done that. That's how they went into the on the road and won in Cincinnati. And I do think that, like, when it's all said and done, uh, Texas is going to be in the mix to the for the tournament. I if, mean, if, if Texas wins this weekend, they'll probably be ranked again. Sure. They would have just beaten Baylor, one at OU. Like, they sure. They righted. They had to have a bottom and fell out against Central Florida. But, but they, they responded. They have found themselves. They responded. Exactly. Found a way to win last Saturday. And I think that like maybe the most important thing now for Oklahoma too is when you look at Texas, they have a guy in Brock Cunningham that's been there for forever. I imagine he's a leader within that locker room to get through these you know low points of a season. And I I I do think it's a little bit of a question mark who that guy's going to be for Oklahoma. Uh, moving forward and you know the Sam Godwin thing like Christ like he has more more fouls than points in the last three games and they're bad fouls they're They're not even good fouls you're not preventing baskets you're making stupid ass decisions 70 feet away from the basket yep so you're making Hughley play long uh, stretches and Jalen Moore move to the five and we'll see how long that can last sorry I was really trying not to butt into meaningful conversation but I I'm going to play the role of the casual because we know that's what I am here. Is this just OU kind of butting, bumping their head against what they are, like against North Carolina, against Texas, against Kansas? Those teams are just a little better than Oklahoma, and like Eddie said, we should there, there should be some level of – you have to be reasonable about what this team was coming in. Is, is that – just what they are or at, where they are? At the end of the day, yes. I but mean, they're not 15 North, points worse than Texas. Right. That's it, the problem. Okay. I, and they, and I, think, I think this is also a thing where this is kind of the price of doing business now. I mean, let's face it, this entire roster is turned over except for two guys, really. I mean, well, three. You get put Godwin in there. But, like, asking those guys to – and, look, it's been, what, 24 games now, 23? Uh they should be playing better together than 18, they are. 18 or 19. 19. 15, 15 and, four. and four. Okay, yeah. 19. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't keep track of like Thunder and college at the same time. Anyway, like it's remarkable to me that they're playing this well, that they had that many new players come into the program. But at the same time, can you really expect, you know, uh, McCollum and Moore and Hughley and all those guys to play together like as a well-oiled machine. Maybe yeah. it, maybe yes you can no. say yes at this point in the season. Yes and no. I but mean, it's I, not happening. But I mean, it that type of maybe not that drastic. But the roster turnover happens at I would say seventy-five percent of yeah. every roster in the country in college basketball. It's it's almost kind of the Porter Moser experience and what it has been over the last four days. I mean, you're talking about coming out of Saturday, and that was probably the best win that they've had under Porter Moser on the road. It's one of the best wins I could argue had the Big Twelve. I could argue it's one of the best wins that he's had just in general. Add in the Alabama game, add in the mm-hmm. Arkansas game a couple years ago in Tulsa. But again, I it's college basketball, so you kind of got to take each night with a grain of salt and yep. be able to just wipe it and get clean, and then go back into it. Uh, if this is something that persists that's when you start having bigger conversations about, okay, what is this really? What's happening? And, you know, I, Bob, we talked about it this morning. I, the way that they have started in games, now that's a problem. That is, that is a talking it's a point of... Of we, the hoops report. We went back over... Ryan Chapman did the, uh, the math this morning. First five games of all six conference games, 
They're 13 for 37 with 14 turnovers. And if you continually dig yourself holes against really good opponents, you're not going to be able to dig out every time. And I don't think that that's rocket science to figure out. You have to figure out a way. And that's why, like, Saturday's so important. Yep. And especially the way that you start in the game, that if you come out flat in this game against Tech, when, after the performance that you put out there on uh, Tuesday night, then I started asking, like, bigger questions of, okay, is this going to go really sideways? The, the only reason I'm not concerned about the buy-in is because all those guys have admitted it. None of us have been to the tournament. Rivaldo Suarez, John Hughley, Jalen Moore. Like, we've all had bigger roles on other teams, but it never led to team success and actually making the tournament. Sure. Only Porter Moser has been to the NCAA and, tournament. And what they've done in the first 18 games would lend you to think that, okay, maybe you had you had a shit night and yep. things really went south. <laughs> it was really, really bad. But you got a month and a half. You want to play your best basketball at the end of February going into March continually get better, try to steal a couple on the road, scratch out something in the middle of the conference like we've been talking about. Like I, As bad as last night was, you still wake up in the Big 12 standings. You're going to be in that middle of the pack with all those teams that have three and four losses. There's going to be other teams that have uh, you know worse losses on their, on their schedule to Texas. So it's, I don't know. I was just more disappointed in not being able to capitalize on, on, the, momentum on the moment that you yeah. built. And that's... For some people, it's never going to come around. OU basketball is just not going to be a thing, and I get that. But it they really had an opportunity, and they kind of fucked it up last night. Well, you know what? Saturday brings a chance for everyone to have a fresh perspective on OU basketball because uh, uh, enjoy vision. Uh, it is our look around, and we're going to keep looking around at other things besides college basketball coming up. Uh, but enjoy vision, fresh perspective, look around, Eddie. Uh, you have the vision. You you have the vision to see what this program could become as, if they just turn around and get a nice win against Tech on Saturday. Yeah, I wouldn't have bet on Oklahoma last night had I not known that um, if I could have seen it coming. And I should have. I'm going to have to talk to the good folks at Enjoy Vision about that. I've heard that betting vision is working pretty well for you, though, lately. It has been until I was running my mouth yesterday. and I, <laughs> Not so much on uh, Tuesday night. Enjoy Vision is the best laser vision center in Oklahoma City. Not even close. The combination of mind-blowing technology, experienced eyeball surgeons, and exceptional patient care was life-changing for me. What they're doing for the Unofficial 40 listener is giving $400 off LASIK. If you are so inclined, if you're so interested, go to enjoywithme.com. That is the letter N-J-O-Y withme.com and use promo code U40. Again, that is for $400 off LASIK. Enjoy vision. This is where you lace it. Uh, we can get into a little bit of what's going on with the football program right now. Um, you know, a lot of visits going on. You see a lot of schools tweeting out that uh, coaches are visiting them. And uh, Josh, I know a lot of guys out there on the road. I, let me check. Josh may have muted us. Uh, do you? Are we back with you, Josh, now that the basketball talk is over? I, I'm here. I listened the whole time. I, I, I was invested and engaged. Yeah, we saw you leave. You're on camera. I, I had to shred a couple papers. I, you know, I, I had to do that. No, but uh, I, anything you know notable that you've noticed over the, the – it's been since, what, last Friday since coaches have been able to get out on the road and see 2025 prospects or at least visit them at their high schools? Yeah, the, the thing that I would say just kind of uh, – the two things that briefly stick out, Zach Alley is making his presence felt. They have offered a whole mess of linebackers in – 25, 26, and 27. And guys, I 
every time I see these freshmen offered, um, I go back to what we've talked about. You know, Brent Venable's willing to be adaptable and kind of making some changes because that's something he talked about in that introductory press conference two years ago, that that wasn't something they really wanted to do and they wanted to make sure guys were coming to campus and that kind of stuff. And I think they've said, I mean, like, do they deem those guys the same as a guy that comes in and, and kind of shows his interest? No, probably not. But they know it's a starting point for really elite guys, guys that are special talents. And one of them is a guy that I saw this year, uh, B.J. Brooks's teammate at Sierra Canyon in California, a big-time defensive end named Richard Wesley that is – he's got a chance to be a five-star defensive end, and I know he really likes Miguel Chavis already. So Oklahoma is, like I said, I think think the two big notes are they are being aggressive in the younger classes – and also, uh, again, we're seeing Zach Alley trying to find some guys he he already knew and liked. It's so early in the process, but you just put out the uh, the new offer story. One or two that you're like, oh, I got to circle that one. That could lead to a, co- a commitment sooner than later. Well, I think the first one, it's, it's going to be obvious, is the in-state offer that happened. Uh, Taj Overton, the big defensive lineman from Owasso, Really like him on tape. A real physical guy. He's the kind of guy that we talk about when he comes from Oklahoma, you have to get him because there's just not enough defensive linemen in the state of Oklahoma, no, enough easy grabs. And, you know, easy is obviously uh, unfair to Oklahoma. They'll have to do some work, but this is a guy that likes Oklahoma. Uh, he, I'm going to talk about him a little bit in Woke that, that will be up here this afternoon. So um, there is uh, – he's one that sticks out to me. And then, you know, as you go through the list, there's a couple of guys that it, it kind of depends how seriously you want to take what they're saying. Because I know talking to Tay Harris, the uh, the Georgia commitment that decommitted this week, um, he's already working on a visit out to Oklahoma. I know he and Zach Alley have a good relationship. Uh, obviously, that'll continue to build with guys like Jay Valai and, of course, Zach Alley kind of maintaining. But he's an interesting one. For him to almost immediately set up a trip and kind of decide that's something that's going to happen, I take that as a really good sign. Um, But maybe one off the radar I would say to keep an eye on is the Smith Arogbo kid from Aleph Hastings in Houston. First chance to really watch his tape was going over it for this article. Big, long, athletic guy. Um, I don't want to say P.J. Atabarroe because that's just not a fair comparison, but kind of a similar body type, like 6'6". 220, very athletic, um, very raw, but you can see what Oklahoma likes in him. As uh, Bob said, too, if you want to check out Josh's breakdown of what 39 new offers here over the last couple weeks, there's been 30, yeah, there's been like 39 new offers in the last like eight days. I know it's, it's really crazy. super early. Did, do you make anything of the pair of 2026 quarterback offers that they put out to uh, the mm-hmm. Jared Curtis kid out of where is he? Where is he from? Uh, he is from Tennessee. Up here. Tennessee, and then uh, Faison mm-hmm. Brandon, the uh, quarterback out of Greensboro, North Carolina. Yeah, uh, and a kid actually that I had a chance to see um, watching. Was, I, if I'm not mistaken, he either – I want to say he is the player that ended James Nesta's season in North Carolina for Huff. Those are a couple of big-time programs out there, and I think they got beat like 62-43. to 43. And you're kind of wondering – because Huff had multiple D1 guys in their defense. You're like, oh, okay, that makes more sense now. They had a, a elite quarterback. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it tells you a lot as far as, uh, I guess, two things. First, we all know Oklahoma's offered Legend Bay, uh, the kid from Mesquite Horn, his teammates with Lamont Rogers and Markel Ford, a couple of other guys uh, that already have OU offers. Um, and I 
I think it tells you that they're not setting in on anybody. Like we're, we're going to go after multiple guys. They're not going to be kind of that Lincoln Riley school where it's one guy and that's all the focus is going to be until it's not, uh, which I think is the proper way to handle it. So I, I like that methodology. Um, and secondly, I, I just think um, with Jared Curtis, you watch that kid on tape, and I mean that dude can sling it. It, it is fun to watch. The the uh, Brandon kid is excellent as well. A little more raw, a um, little more athletic, but they're both big guys. You know, you got Legend Bay that's like five ten, five eleven, and then you got these two that are six four, six five, big kind of prototypical quarterbacks. So I I guess you could say I don't know that Seth Luttrell really has a type. Like he just wants a guy that can that can move around a little bit and obviously can uh, deliver it vertically because all three of these guys love to attack, attack downfield. Yeah, judging by your descriptions, it's two totally different quarterbacks. I'm just looking at them now. Right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you start this out with Jared Curtis. Curtis definitely isn't going to make his name as an athlete. Well, great. No. Sign me up. <laughs> no. Uh, and again, I don't like, – I, I just feel Jones. bad. When I say stuff like that, I'm like, I'm just trying to paint the picture. Um, but – he can move like it, it's, I mean, you know, well, he reads that, I, he I would say you're talking something list. like a Sam Bradford, like not like a guy that's going to go run for a hundred yards in the game, but if he needs to pick up a first down, he can do it. Sam Bradford was an excellent athlete. He was, he's a great athlete. But when you compare him to like, uh, wa- watch the legend Bay kid on tape, watch him run. They're, they're, it's not a comparison. That they're like very a different Netflix series, not a, not a football player. Legend Bay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, and th- there is, there's always been talk of legend being, you know, like, okay, start at quarterback. And if it doesn't work out, he's athletic enough. He could move to a slot receiver or do something like that. So we'll see. I, I don't know if that's Oklahoma's plans. I think they're still pretty open-ended about that, but um, I, I think it's pretty clear, you know, they, um, what you're not seeing is any 2025 offers going out. So I know people were kind of worried about Kevin Sperry. I think that set, puts a pretty good signal on yeah. where they think that situation is. Um, and now they're just moving forward to 2026, which it's a really interesting one because we watch Oklahoma for years, you know, like, okay, recruit an elite quarterback one year and the next year, you know, you get Tanner Mordecai, you, you get a good solid player, but not the high ranking guy. And then the next year you come back and it's, you know, um, Spencer Rattler, you know, you kind of go down that list. So I, I think that is um, – Sperry puts them in an interesting situation because I think he's really good, and I think he's he's got a chance to absolutely be a starter and a, a good player at Oklahoma, but I don't think he's the kind of name, and he's not going to put up the numbers at a place like Carl Albert that's obviously, we all know, a very run-heavy program. He's not going to put up the numbers that scare everybody or force him to move into five-star conversations. So if that kind of happens – then it allows Oklahoma to maybe stack two really good quarterbacks in back-to-back classes if they can land one of these guys. I got to tell you, I am uh, I'm in love with this one kid just from his name. Uh, it's like a Key and Peel s- sketch. Jazavian uh, Currents, safety from Rock Hill, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the- that's kind of a Bama name, but we don't know if Bama is really Bama anymore. <laughs> I love Jaime French with two F's in the French. Like that, that's a oh, great, yeah. um, and, yep. Yep. and he is a monster. He is so, so good. Um, but I would say 
for people that go on the site and kind of look, I mean, I hate to sit here and read down the list. If you want to go watch a fun tape, the most fun I had watching, and like I said, there's 39 guys here, so I watched a lot of tape. Jaden Harmon, the linebacker from Rome, Georgia, holy crap. That dude, like, he wakes up, like, he gets out of bed and, like, knows what his next 37 steps are going to be. Like, he doesn't do anything that isn't, like, 100 miles an hour and full of purpose. Like, he, he... as much as those kind of guys fit Brent Venables, I have rarely seen a guy that moves and acts like that on a football field. He he is just at a 10 at all times. Didn't you used to officially live in Pearland, Texas? I did. Mm-hmm. So I did. Have uh, you seen this Christopher Stewart kid? I, yeah. A lot of those kids, and I think Christopher is included in that. Um he is, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's he's a Shadow Creek. No, no. He he's a Shadow Creek kid, which is actually the name of the neighborhood I lived in. It's this massive planned community that's like thousands of houses. It's a huge, huge neighborhood. Um, I guarantee some of our listeners live in that because the math just says they will. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's cool. Go check it out on the site. It's got the list of uh, thirty nine uh, new offers, and then you can go watch their tape, and that'd be cool. So. You need an afternoon in this rainy, drizzly afternoon to kill some time. That might be a good way to do it. Uh, all right, and I can't wait to see how much of an athlete uh, Jared Curtis is. I'm going to watch that this <laughs> afternoon. Sorry, Jared, if you're out there listening, which I know you are, huge fan of the pod, <laughs> definitely listening. But uh, sorry, Jared. Uh, okay, so I don't know, you know, if there's anything you else wanted to hit. Junior day. Junior day. Let me let me let me ask this though, Josh, because I know. You know me, I always like kind of explaining the recruiting process for people that aren't familiar with it. But like these visits to high schools uh, and the fact that all these offers came out, a lot of it is, isn't a lot of it just kind of the coaches want to see these kids in person to see if what they're seeing on tape, if he is really 6'2", or if he's more like 5'10". Like they, they want to see kind of you know, what they look like just standing next to them and how, you know, what little they can gather from just meeting them in person. That's kind of just a, a checklist. And then they're like, I, I assume it's like, okay, that's who we thought he was. Let's give him the offer. 100%. Like they are... Because uh, so many of these guys, I mean, Oklahoma didn't have a lot of questions. If they spent the time and money and energy to go to these schools, they liked the kid. Like, they knew they liked the tape. They knew they liked what they'd heard from the coaches. Because Oklahoma does a lot of diligence in that way. We we know that about Brent and his staff. They want to know about what's the kid like, what's he like off the field, how does he treat people around him. You know, they, they ask a lot more than some staffs who just – can he play, you know, is what they're thinking about. So it's a little different and they do, they want to size the guy up. You know, how is he going to fit? If, if it's a defensive lineman, you know, for Miguel Chavis or Todd Bates, like can he, is he going to slide inside? If we, if we bring him in, is he a little sawed off? You know, they're they're asking those kind of questions. And so they get to see him and uh, yeah. And really size him up. Now, one thing I will say, and I think this is probably intuitive for most people, but if you see Brent Venables in one of these pictures, this is a guy they prioritize. Like th- this is a guy that you know, like th- they. I mean, and I and I want to be clear: there are a lot of guys that don't do every time a coach comes through. I'm taking a picture and I'm putting out on Twitter. So just because you don't see a picture doesn't mean that guy's not a priority. I just want to say if you see Brent Venables at a school, that guy is a guy OU is going to push for because Brent can only be so many places at so many times, and if he's there, that's a guy they want. By the way, are you giving Jamie French a, a C.D. Lamb comparison? That's pretty strong. 
I watched the tape. He's, that dude is very good. real. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he was committed to Alabama, mm-hmm. um, you know, from from Florida. The, the, their track record in Florida is pretty damn good with receivers. I want to talk about just the national stuff in football, but junior day, I know that was something, Bob, you just mentioned. We can go over that. Has it gotten any bigger in the last week, or is it still kind of what you think it was going to be around this time last week? Yeah, I don't think a lot has changed. I think you're still looking at 20 to 25 guys. Now, inevitably, there's always a few guys that, you know, I came up with my buddy or something like that, and people tend to make that a big story. I think for several weeks now, Oklahoma's had a very clear idea of who they wanted to bring in, who was going to be here, and they didn't really want the list to grow beyond that. And I think they've had really good return on the guys they wanted to bring in. It hasn't been a deal where, oh, okay, well, Instead of the 24 we invited, and that's just kind of a you know a, a ballpark number there, that's we uh, 12 are coming in, so we need to add in some more because it would just be kind of a wasted weekend otherwise. So they've had good name, uh, good return on uh, the guys that they've heard from. So I, I think they're in pretty good shape. I don't think a lot's going to change. It wouldn't shock me if you know you had one, two guys that are that are kind of new additions, maybe recent offers that decide they can make the trip or something like that. But I think Oklahoma has a pretty clear line on who they're bringing in. Boom. Covered. And, and well, it's once just, again, it's different, right? Again, they're not that, looking for commitments anymore at junior day, really. So, I mean, just as long as they show up, mission accomplished. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it, again, it's a, it's a good, strong list. There's nothing, you know, it's not like they're uh, uh, they're lacking. I mean, I, I there's one guy I still haven't confirmed and I just need to hit up his coaching staff. I still expect Ty, Ty Haywood from Denton Ryan to be there. Uh, he just has not gotten back to me to confirm that. And that's, you know, you add him and Lamont Rogers uh, to Owen Hollenbeck. I mean, if you could find some way to make those three your first offensive line commitment, it's not, not going to happen this weekend. I don't want anybody to misunderstand, but if that was your starting point, you're off to a outstanding start and rebuilding that offensive line room, which we, you know, all know is something that's going to be focal to this 25 class. All right. Um, got the hoops talk in, Bob. Uh, we'll let you uh, get on and have bring George in. We're going to talk some uh, stuff that's going on just across football in general. And especially you, you look at Alabama and the dominoes and I've, some stuff about Arizona out there that's just fascinating to me. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the transfer portal, uh, you know, it still continues because if people don't know this, every time a coach leaves his job, like Jim Harbaugh's out there, he's interviewing at all these places. If and when he leaves Michigan, you know, I'm sure they'll probably make Sharon Moore the head coach immediately uh, just to try and mitigate any issues that they have with players leaving. But everybody has 30 days uh, after a coach leaves to enter the transfer portal. Now, we've talked about some of this SEC stuff kind of sitting around the office and, and you know, their interconference rules that are, are out there, which they're probably the only people that are putting uh, caveats on transfers these days. But the, it's just an old rule, I think, that hasn't changed. George has a very distracting hat on today. What is that? Uh, it's a throwback. I found it in like a... a one of those stores in the malls. It just reminds like a, me of the Dallas Cowboys Super uh, Bowl hat. It's actually uh, Eddie's favorite city, San Antonio, NBA All-Star 1996, maybe? I don't know. I just saw it. thought it looked cool. I like it. Yeah. Looks good. 
Anyways, yes, uh, I know where you're going with this. Uh, when you enter the SEC, you cannot transfer within the conference unless you do it before February 1st. So you have to do it in that first portal window. Uh, and so spring portal transfers are subject to sitting out. Correct. And so if OU were to take on an SEC transfer in the spring window, let's say, for example, Williams Winery hates it at Missouri for some reason and he wants to come to Oklahoma all of a sudden, he would have to sit out next year. I'm guessing somebody like Williams Nwari or like David, let's say David Hicks. There's been a lot of talk about David Hicks. Would David Hicks enter the portal in the spring? Well, even if he did, he yeah. wouldn't be able to play next season. That to me seems a dumb rule because you're only penalizing your own teams in your conference. And I know what the intention was. You don't want people basically poaching players from your own conference. It's a dumb rule, but we're yeah. the same people that sat here and have said that why doesn't the portal have more restrictions in terms of you have to sit out a year? Mm-hmm. And so I think that that was the uh, issue. And if you, I mean, I, I think the the thing is, is you can still do it. Just do it before February 1st. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, it's just. And maybe, maybe the, I think the SEC will eventually change that rule. Because all the other conferences yeah. have. Did you discuss this with uh, Greg Sankey last night, Eddie? I saw you guys Did were not. sitting right next to each other. Did not. It didn't come up. Any in interactions all of our, uh, at all? I said hi. Said hello. That's it. Good. I saw he uh, retweeted uh, what's his name's photo and put a little uh, cool yeah, Chris emoji is, on it. Yeah, cool. he he knows. <laughs> <laughs> He's envious of Eddie's follower count. Probably. He yeah he he wants some followers. Um. Okay, so guys, I was I was looking at some of this stuff this morning. It is really you know, and it caught my eye because Jackson Arnold was included in it. But ESPN's kind of going down like the biggest quarterback replacements for next year, um, and you know, Dylan Gabriel is included in that uh, because he was one of the better quarterbacks in the country. But it is really interesting, you know, the Washington thing, the Will Rogers guys transfer there, then he was going to leave. Uh, and then when the other quarterbacks that were there left, he decided to stay. Uh, some of it's kind of a mess, but you know, Will Howard at Ohio State to me is probably one of the more curious. You know, how is that going to work out? Because obviously, you look at I, Ohio State's made news this week uh, by getting all the big transfer portal guys, uh, the the safety from uh, Caleb um, Downs, Caleb Downs from Alabama. Uh, and then what was the other guy they got? Um, Julian Say in the quarterback. Yeah, Julian, they got Say in the quarterback from Alabama too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, I, I'm just looking at this, and, and I know you know we've spent a couple of weeks talking about what OU's not doing in the portal. Um, but I, you know, DJ Ugalele, I can't even say his name. I should be able to. I mean, taking over for Jordan Travis at Florida State. I guess it's just the world we're going to live in, where you know transfer quarterbacks take over for established quarterbacks like how is that I was wondering this the other day Josh like at what point do coaches stop stockpiling young quarterbacks I mean or you know young quarterbacks stop coming up as freshmen to sophomores to juniors to eventually taking over the starting job I mean it seems like that might be a practice that goes extinct Oh, I mean, uh, to some degree, you, you've already seen it start to happen where young guys start leaving programs because they're not, uh, you know, n- not on the field as early as they want to be. So I, I think that's that's absolutely coming. Now, as far as coaches, they're going to stockpile as often as they can, yeah. and you know, we lose 
you, you lose, you know, uh, we like the sophomore better with the freshman left. Okay. Well, we still got the sophomore. So I, I think that's, that's the way that's going to go, but you're right. I mean, this is quarterback is going to be musical chairs. Now the good news for Oklahoma is they're one of the halves. So they should always, whether it's through the portal or through recruiting, be able to find at the very least a serviceable quarterback. I mean, that, that should be in the cards. But that's not the way we know they want to build. And it's certainly not the way you – I mean, ideally, it's not the way you would want to build. Um, but they, you, you've got to map it out. I mean, you really do have to. And, guys, I mean, if we're sitting here a year from now and Brennan Zerberg and Michael Hawkins are both on Oklahoma's roster, I'll be surprised. And I don't know any other way to say that. Here's the thing, though. Like, let's take Notre Dame for an example. They, they bring in Sam Hartman, plays for a year. He leaves – now they bring in Riley Leonard uh, from Duke to transfer. Like at some point, are you going to get a reputation as a school that high school quarterbacks don't want to go to if you keep going the transfer route over and over? Because, I mean, like you look at a place, maybe not the three star kid, but I think that any five star kid, if he wanted to go to Notre Dame, he's going to go to Notre Dame. Yeah, like it. it I it's so varied, or I guess tiered between. If you're really, really good, you're still going to go to that school. I think the reality is that it's just hard these days to find great quarterback play at a young age. Like, there's not. I almost th- think that quarterbacks are more ready than ever. I don't know. As freshmen and sophomores. I. I, I mean, know. Jackson I I Arnold's going to be a great experiment. I mean, yeah. I, I would say I think there's more elite young ones, like guys that are ready when they're young to be really great players, but there are. The pool is small. small. It's harder. It's harder than ever to be that guy. Yeah. I guess would be the way to say that. You that, know what's that's real- fair because because that freshman you're going to just get over recruited if you can go find a Riley Leonard or you know yeah. whoever. Yep. You know what's an interesting yep. going to be an interesting case study uh, is USC because Miller Moss looks so good in that bowl game, yet you know they're bringing in the Maeva kid. The is that how you say it? The 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 UNLV transfer. UNLV. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like. You go into an open competition, uh, Moss looks so good in the bowl game, how do you determine which one's going to be the better quarterback when Moss clearly knows the offense? Like, you're going to, it's going to be difficult. And think about the fan base. Like, people want to see the backup quarterback, no matter who they are, no matter what they've done. Like, people wanted to see Davis Bevel at one point, you know, before the Texas game happened last year. Not a lot of people, but, you know, some... Like everybody's going to be clamoring for these transfers, thinking that oh well he he was already a starter somewhere else. Surely he's better than what you know the young kid looks like, right? It's a lot more pressure when you have these transfers involved on the starting quarterbacks if they don't play well. Yeah, I also think it's it's you have to be really good for it to work as a transfer. And I know that sounds dumb, but it's like there's only certain guys that have turned out to be, I think that, that it's worked. Like I, I don't Daniels. Yeah. I mean, D- Dylan Gabriel, uh, Quinn Ewers has worked. So maybe the, maybe the list is longer, but there's also a lot of guys that have failed at doing it. And it's guys like, I look at like Will Howard and I'm like, is he really that much better than what Ohio state already has? If you asked every South Carolina fan, like was, was Spencer Rattler as good as you expected? They'll probably say no. But he was better than what they had yeah. before. Yeah. So I I don't know. It's it's a tricky situation. I mean, I, like 
you got to sign up though to go to a school that has a good offensive line. Like, yeah, obviously you got to. St- it starts up front, and, and I think an offensive coordinator. I think sure. the offensive coordinator is is just I as would, important. I would say that most South Carolina fans were pretty pleased with Spencer Rattler. Yeah, I mean, the even, first year they were. Uh, he was he was good this year. His offensive line sucked. Yeah, he had one of the worst offensive lines in Power Five football. They were they were awful. Well, I'll say this: it's. It's almost better for you to be a quarterback at a bad program to transfer to a good one than be a guy that wasn't playing at a good program, like a Michael Penix. Not that Indiana was terrible, but he went to a better program and was a he was a better quarterback than Indiana. Are there any starters that have gone to a school that would be seen as a lesser program? Like a guy that didn't upgrade his school, I guess, is what I'm asking. And I'm not I even mean, saying like Ohio State to Texas. To me, that's that's not a that's lateral move. Like that's right. a that's a he's going from great. Dylan to great. Gabriel from OU to Oregon's a lateral move. Kyle, Kyle McCord. Kyle McCord. Yeah, Ohio State. To, where did he end up? Syracuse. Yeah. Good riddance. Yeah. Yeah. God bless you. I don't know. I just I think the uh, one that just keeps sticking in my head is Will Howard. I just don't know if that's gonna. Actually I think he's gonna out. have a really really good year. But he's Maybe. also surrounded by right. elite athletes at every position. I mean, it's almost hard for me to think how I mean, somebody like a Will Howard could fail at Ohio State. And I guess failing, quote-unquote, would be losing a game, right? To me, the the, the, the most ridiculous transfer is, is DJU. Like, he was in the Dr. Pepper commercial as a Clemson starting quarterback. Wasn't good enough to lead them to back to a national championship. Transfers to Oregon State... Now he goes to a much better program at Florida State, which might be better. You know, I know they're losing a ton of guys, but potentially could be the best team he's played on. Was he even that good at Oregon State this last year? He was okay. It's, it's right? hard to it's hard to say because of the way that Oregon State runs their offense. I mean, it was basically we're going to pound the football, yeah. and then DJ is going to make a couple really good throws, and then we're going to pound the football more. Yeah. But to Kerry's broader point, I do think it's a you have to have a balance of you, you still want to recruit quarterbacks and you don't want to become one of those programs that you're just it's a rotating door of transfer quarterbacks unless that I mean unless you're able to land, you know, the best quarterback in the portal every single year, which is just going to be hard to do. But you still want to have your Jackson Arnolds of the world that you're recruiting. But you also as a coaching staff and, a, and a, you have to have a philosophy that if we go with the young guy he's going to have some struggles. That yeah. doesn't mean that we replace him with a transfer. Like, not every... Like, Sam Bradford was great. You know, you could tell he was going to be really good even as a freshman. Redshirt freshman. Then blows up as a sophomore. Like, you're saying if Jackson Arnold goes out next year and he throws 12 interceptions and they go 9-3 and three or 8-4 and four and, he, you know, he's kind of up and down, and you're then, saying you got to stick with him instead of, okay, right. well, let's and then let's say, the portal. Let's say, like... I don't know some five star that went to you to to Ohio State like the Satan kid like he becomes available like you can't just run and sign every potential kid. By the way, I just in the immediacy though of like what the world is right now, I think that you almost have to if you're a coach. If you're like, you got to get the you, best eleven players. Yeah, if on you're the Brent Venables, field. you have to do that because your and job is on the line. I don't think that OU's doing that. You're just saying in general. No, yeah, but you have to be. You're going to have to be an established coach to stick, to put your foot down and say we're not taking this transfer. We we believe in the young kid, even though 
people don't see it like we see it. That's an interesting conversation. What what is the baseline of acceptability for Jackson Arnold next year? Like what what is the uh, ballpark or? numbers? Yeah, I, I mean like, all. Like I, to me, if if it's less than eight and four, there's questions. But what is his like, offensive line? I think eight like? and four. What if his offensive yeah, line is I, a disaster? Sure, sure. Um, and that's guys. I, I I've been talking to people on the board all week, and I keep. Like people are like, what do we have to feel positive about? And I'm like, with the exception of the offensive line, I think this <laughs> team is really good. Yeah. Like, I like a lot of this team. Speaking of which, um, before we forget, uh, do we have any um, update on the Hatchet Hatchet Twins? No. Um, it Landon didn't end up coming. It was part of the plan, and then it, it didn't work out. I think OU tried to make it work and just couldn't. I'm not sure he won't come back at some other point. Um because I know there is a degree of interest there, um, but no, with with uh, and I never know how to say his name. I've interviewed him five times, and I I've forgotten how to <laughs> correctly say Garian Garin. I don't know how to say Garin. Maybe. Um, anyway, he uh, I, I from what I was told, the visit went well. I don't have anything concrete beyond that. I think they're just kind of in a holding pattern. Cool. By the way, the, yeah, the exciting <laughs> stuff with Arizona is also something that fascinates me. I mean, be you know, basically, you have a, a an athletic director that hired Jed Fish, great hire, hired their basketball coach. He was the Pac-12 uh, coach of the year in 2022. The assistant from Gonzaga, yeah, longtime he, he's, assistant. He's obviously from Mark good at being an athletic director. But they're so well, far in the though? hole. They're so far in the hole financially. I mean, they have an audit that's coming out. I think like next week or something. They're going to be like two hundred million dollars. I'm just saying he's good at hiring people. That's part of the being the athletic director, though, isn't it? Budgeting the the entire. But he was athletic. there for seven years. I mean, I think the COVID thing is they 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 mishandled that terribly. Not the only ones. But I mean, like, remember the thing about like the Pac-12 network like overpaid them fifty million dollars and they had to like pay it back and stuff. Yeah, and it it was. Definitely odd, but I, I think they're they have like a two hundred and forty million dollar deficit, like a fifty five million dollar loan that they they can't pay back now. It's like I find everything that happens out of Tucson now, like it's just like what a weird place. We've been there; it is a weird place. I know it's just a very strange, uh, like I don't know how do we even explain it. I mean, if you if they get back on their feet, they are a really good member of the Big Twelve. I mean, they're yeah, I think that they, like with uh, the quarterback of the. Wide receiver coming back and some of the guys. Why are they coming committed. back? I don't know. Like, are I they think not that paying they were attention to billions of dollars by these Arizona boosters <laughs> that seem to run the the entire school? But man, I mean, I guess A and M could just give somebody two hundred forty million dollars and say, "Here, fix your problems." But I don't think Arizona has that kind of money. No, this. I mean, I think that they have enough to keep some of these guys around, but not to dig themselves out of the hole. Yeah, I mean, so, it's just. Do, it's do you guys think they went to him and were like, "Listen, we'd love for you to be our new head of HR. You're great with hires, but administratively, you are a dumpster fire." And who like, knows you how cannot much? Be in charge yeah, of like how thing. much of that was even his fault? I I have no idea. It sounds like a just a terribly <laughs> yeah. run athletic department. Yeah, don't well, you have finance people like to handle that kind of stuff? Yeah, yeah. I can't uh, believe and, and Joe Castiglione other... is up there balancing the books right now. <laughs> uh, well. Uh, and the other side of it is, is the um, they they let him hire the coach, the football coach, and then like, and now you're out. Like, well, he's good does, at that. How part. does that happen? Yeah, he's good at that part. Yeah, I, 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 that that is 
if if they did that purposefully, that's one of the best strategic plays I've ever seen. That's like, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of game Game of Thrones ish, getting somebody mm-hmm. to do something for you and then chopping their head off. So yeah, I mean, just cra- I mean, I don't think that's the end of the craziness with the Pac-12 and. There's probably going to be other stuff that comes out. Well, I, I, I think it is the end, though. The, the Pac-12 well, is no done, more. But I'm just saying, there's going to be people carrying some baggage with them into the Big Ten and the Big 12. Sure. I, I, I'm I not so sure UCLA is not in financial ruin. Well, and how about, I mean, talking about coaching carousel stuff, they might be in the uh, department for a head coach here soon if Chip Kelly really is part of a combo deal with Dan Quinn to go to Seattle, which That'd is be just crazy. bewildering knowing how Chip Kelly's first run through the uh, NFL went in Philadelphia and him basically, not even basically, him so being what, labeled as a racist. Yeah. The whole, what was that kid's name? Riley. Riley Cooper. Cooper. So if Jim Harbaugh. Oh, that man hates recruiting. If Jim Harbaugh. Riley goes, Cooper was the one that was racist. Well, he, he was. the one saying the N-word yes. at the concert? Yes. But was it, wasn't it. Kelly's handling of it was what everybody got yes. pissed yeah, off like or something. He yeah, brushed it over. I think something. Chip Kelly's also probably yeah. just a dick. Um, if Jim yes. Harbaugh uh, goes to the Chargers, which it sounds like he's going to, Sharon, Sharon Moore is the next guy, right? I know there's been a report out there, though, that Harbaugh wants to bring a lot of his staff with him. I just saw the two names, the defense coordinator and then his son, Jay. I would is, is there more than that? I don't I don't think so. I just, I mean, it was a very Well, the vague... DC came from the Ravens, right? Right. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would just assume they're going to hand that thing to Moore. I think that that's popular. with what's happened at Bama. Don't they have to? Yeah, I mean they they've seen what, oh, what like Bama's the exodus gone through. That has yeah, occurred. yeah. I mean, I would think. What, he, what are you going to do that's better for you? And considering Moore's, you know, uh, coached the team and was the interim, and you saw the players how much they cared for him, you would think that they wouldn't have a ton of guys enter the portal. Maybe some defensive guys, if. Uh, the DC's leaving. Although with Michigan having this much time to work on something, maybe there's a Hail Mary that they've been working on. Like they've got, they'll have something ready to go. Maybe they'll say, you know what? We're just not comfortable with Moore as our head coach. We don't know enough about him as a head coach. And but why would they say that? He's 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 been the interim. Like I'm several just saying, times. if if like may, I'm just saying, maybe the possibility is there that they've got this rabbit that they're going to pull out of their hat. I don't buy it. If Alabama couldn't pull the rabbit out of the I, would be, I don't think Michigan is either. I would be almost more surprised if they just didn't immediately tag Sharon Moore than I was when Saban retired. And yeah. I was pretty damn shocked when yeah. Saban retired. I agree. Oh, I think that's probably what happens. Yeah, I, I could absolutely see in it being a Stoops-Riley scenario where Jim's on his way out the door and here's Sharon Moore. Yeah, like, I mean, right. it, it feels like it would happen that quickly. Yeah, it, I, it, it's about player retention. I mean... Well, I just people were like, well, if Michigan, if Jim Harbaugh leaves, then maybe oh, you could steal some of their offensive linemen. I'm like, that's never happening because the offensive line coach is about to become the head coach. <laughs> yeah, like that's that's not going to happen at all. Well, if there's one place you want to steal offensive line from, it's Michigan. All right, uh, NFC or, divisional playoff rounds are over. Uh, we got to see our guy Baker. It's fun watching him. Uh, you know, play well the last couple of weeks. Uh, not enough though. The intercept. It was. I wish it had not entered. Ended on an interception. I wish they would have been able to like drive down, get the touchdown, then maybe not score the two point try. Like lose that way. Uh, but to see yeah. him throw an interception, just how much that you could tell. And I don't know if you guys watched his post game press conference, but like you know he did what you would expect. He took the blame for it. 
which, you know, was a bad throw. He was under pressure. Um, you know, was off, the offensive line calls were just strange all day. There were a couple times when Aiden Hutchinson just came unblocked, uh, yeah. which should never happen. Um, but, you know, happy for Baker and happy that his career is back on track. Um, tough to see him go down. Uh, it's, you know, we've been around Baker and it's probably some of his toughest moments, you know, losing uh, to Clemson. Um, I'm trying to think. The Rose Bowl. Uh, losing the Rose Bowl. It's just, yeah, you want to see the guy have success. and But, you know, happy that he's got a you know an NFL career that's going to last several more years. I thought he was great on Sunday until that, that final drive. And, and even the first interception, I mean, Mike Evans just... Mike Evans had some just odd drops this year. Like, it was yeah. like, I watched a lot of the Bucks this year, and there was just times that I'm like, what? how is Mike Evans dropping <laughs> those passes? And then he comes up with some of the biggest catches of yeah. the game, but... Uh, it just sucked because like Baker played great all game and was really one of the only reasons they were in the game. Their defense totally fell apart. And then for it to end that way, and of course the narrative's gonna be, well, Baker threw two interceptions and the, the you know, the one that sealed the game. But um I do think most people with a brain and a pulse that watch the game know that Baker should be signed to not a huge contract, not a you know, uh, one of those ones like uh like a Kyler Murray or uh Lamar or one of those, but um he definitely should be making around twenty five mil a year, which is great. That's awesome. Good I think for Gino him. has like a three year one hundred, but it's like only guaranteed for a year or something like that. Yeah, and I'd take Baker over Gino. Gino was okay this year. I mean, Baker elevated. And I, himself. I hope he stays in Tampa because I do think that offensive coordinator. Well, Canales has got to stay there. I yeah, mean, I don't know that he's being interviewed for any of the jobs, but he interviewed for uh, Carolina. Did he? Mm-hmm. And Todd Bowles isn't the most inspiring head coach, but I do think he lets Baker be Baker, and that's a huge problem that he's run into is he's mm-hmm. had several coaches that won't let him be him. And I think Todd Todd Bowles kind of lets him do that. I think Todd Bowles sucks, <laughs> to be completely honest. <laughs> I just I hate his mentality of not going for things. And Yeah, you kind of almost want to see Baker like with – the Chargers coach that just got fired, where he just goes for oh, it. I'd love to see. You know who I'd love Brandon to see him Staley's with is too. Dan Campbell. I think him and Dan Campbell Campbell would be awesome. Yeah, it'd be great. Goff's a better quarterback well, than Baker. Uh, sure. Well, yeah, yeah. I was just thinking. Do, do you think he is? I, I was having yeah. that conversation with myself, just kind of looking at the numbers. Based on 100%. watching all of his, you know, a lot of his games this year, he's a he's just a better mm-hmm. quarterback. I mean. I mean Jared Goff's the only guy that continues to get shit on that has started a Super Bowl. Yeah. Like, I've kind of come around on him. Ba- Baker's good. I think Baker's good. I think Jared Goff is just underrated. Baker had an incredible year. Yeah. I think just taking that for what it is, and then even to the aspect of, uh, you know, stepping in and taking over for Tom Brady wasn't going to be the easiest task, and they won the division and won a playoff game. I What's mean, rid- can you win a Super Bowl with Baker Mayfield? You better have a really good team. Yep. I mean... Like, Especially the way the league's going. Look at the the last, you know, five winners of the Super Bowl. You've had to have an elite quarterback. You know what? Elite. What stood out to me is like Brock Purdy elite. I watched. Oh no. my god! I you, I don't think Brock that's Purdy team, can win a Super Bowl. But I that, don't think he can. Brock See, Purdy's another. Brock Purdy's another guy though that he kind of fits into what they do. Like the 49ers are really really good. And credit to. Brock Purdy for putting the final drive together. He was awesome. I also think Kyle Shanahan is the best play caller in, in all of football right now. Sure. I, I just think that Lamar Jackson would be the difference in a a San, a San Francisco 
Baltimore Super Bowl. I also just don't or bet Patrick, Patrick Mahomes, Mahomes would be the difference. Yeah. I'm getting tired of the Chiefs, though. Uh, but, like, here's the thing. Like, you know, when I watched the Rams play uh, the, the, the Lions in the wild card round, the way that Andrew Stafford, the plays that he made, like his arm angles. Matt Stafford? Matt Stafford. What did I say? Andrew. Andrew Who's Andrew Stafford? Matt Stafford. Um, but, like, he, like, it's just crazy that most of his career was wasted away in Detroit when they were terrible. Like, he would legitimately be considered, like, on the level of a Brett Favre, you know. Um, and I know that's a bad comparison because he's a scumbag. But, um, you know, just, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, whatever. Like, he's just such an elite thrower of the football, and he never really got his due. Is he going to retire? I don't think so. I, don't, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know. I just I was trying to think in my head, you know, if 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 Baker were to not land in Tampa for some reason, I wonder if the Rams would throw him a deal if Stafford was retiring. What's Minnesota gonna do? I don't know. I think that'd be a great Kirk, landing spot for him. Minnesota would be a good landing spot for him. I think as much as I don't like Sean Payton, I think the Broncos would be a pretty good landing spot for him. And I think all those teams would be willing to pay him around twenty to twenty five million dollars a year. What are the Steelers gonna do? There's so many teams well, that need a quarterback. The, Mike Tomlin came out at his press conference and was like, yeah, uh, Kenny Pickett's our guy, but he's going to have competition. It's like, what? what? Who? Mason Rudolph? Yeah, well, that's he, he said his quote was, the starter is already on the roster. And I was like, why? Why would you do that to yourself? They average like 38 points a game with Rudolph at quarterback over the last four. I mean, I, hell, I would give Rudolph the job before Kenny Pickett. Josh, do you uh, would you go? Uh, are you blowing up uh, the Bears and taking Caleb Williams? One hundred percent. Justin yeah. Fields is a good player. I, I think there is some value there. And the nice thing is, you could trade him and get some value for him. Like there's there's going to be some people that believe they can fix what's wrong. But I don't know. Like I, I I try to think of a guy that started their career like this. Here's a that's here's done as little as he's done and has done anything meaningful. Sub question: Would the Eagles be better with Justin Fields instead of Jalen Hurts, Ooh. running that same offense? No, like I, I don't. Why, why would you make that move? Because at best, it's lateral. At best, yeah. Jay, Justin Hur Justin Fields can get to Jalen Hurts' level. That that's your best. Jalen Jalen right? has shown a lot of growth as a passer. He has. I, I and I don't know mm -hmm. if we've seen that from Fields yet. Jalen is more proven. I, I think Fields is a better. Hurts has a lot better options though than the Bears do. True, but that's I mean fair. I, I still think Jay, I still think some of the Eagles' issues down the stretch were not Jalen's fault. Oh, I, I that was all internal stuff. Yeah, but I think going back to your Caleb Williams question, I think it's the most no-brainer first pick since Andrew Luck. Yep. I, I have no hate. I know OU fans Williams. hate him, but he's special. I think OU fans are torn. I don't think I don't think OU fans hate Caleb Williams. I mean, especially you know he did the horns down for life thing when he announced he was going in the NFL. Like he didn't have to do that. I, I don't think he hates that was OU. Hilarious. Yeah, he doesn't. He I think he really does hate Texas. Like I think there's a part of him. I think he enjoyed his year at Oklahoma, 
and you know the the way that ended in the Alamo Bowl and the way everybody kind of worshipped him and tried to get him to stay. I think he's also he's a ve- I think he's a very aware person, and he yes. he he is aware that he no matter what happened at USC and the career that he had and what he does in the NFL, that game he knows what that game means to the, the two fans. Game. Yeah, and he knows that he will live in lore forever for that performance alone. Like I think he's very like, wh- socially aware you- of that. What USC game are people going to remember him for? People, they'll talk about Caleb Williams. They'll remember that OU Texas game. Yeah. Just because of the setting and the way it happened and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying he didn't have a great, you know, two year run at USC. He absolutely did. But what game did he win that anybody would he point could play, to? And he could say, go play in the Super oh, Bowl man. in a few years and they'll be like, remember when he did that against Texas? Well, no, get, get ready when the draft comes up. They're going to show his throws yeah. in that OU Texas game as much as they show any of his throws at USC. Yeah. And the run, you know, that he had. I mean, the plays that he made in that game, is that's the biggest game he's ever played in. I mean, that he's ever won, I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. I mean, Pac-12 championship probably bigger or got beat. It's the biggest. It's the biggest win of his career. Mm-hmm. And he's the only bowl win he has. This is a Sooner, so it's crazy. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us. Uh, we are going to be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial Forty. Uh, we'll have uh, we're going to do a special uh, live stream tomorrow night. Um, so stay tuned for that as well. Then we'll have the. Uh, family uh, business show coming up tonight with uh, Dee Dee Westbrook, Joe Jun- Joe Signal Jr., and Isaac Stoops. Uh, those guys doing a great job. Uh, good uh, first show from them. So go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Sooner Scoop. Uh, also, um, check us out on Twitter, at Sooner Scoop. Uh, we've got a new little check mark there next to our name. So appreciate everybody listening. We'll be back again next week for another edition of the Unofficial 40 Podcast from Soonerscoop.com.